I, I really hope that you have come expecting to uh, hear from God and encounter God today. How, how many of you still believe that in spite of the craziness of this year, that God is still alive, that he's still active, that he's still moving, and that he's still speaking to his people? Do you believe that? I believe that he is and he does, and I wouldn't be up here if I didn't. And so I hope that you've come not as a kind of a ritual or something you think that you ought to be doing, again, whether you're here or in person or online, but I hope that you've come because you believe God is active and he's alive and he's going to speak to you this morning. I believe he's got a word for you personally. I believe he's got a word for us collectively as his bride, as his people. We're gonna be in John 15. So if you wanna go ahead and make your way over there in your Bible or on your device, you can do that. And as you find your place, let me... Uh, Let me pray for us before we get going. Father, my my confession would be, and and I suspect that our collective confession this morning would be that um, 2020 has just been a really heavy year uh, for, for so many of us, maybe even for all of us. It's been a year filled with uh, disappointments, Honestly, it's been a year filled with frustrations, a year filled with losses and sorrows, God. And so we come to you uh, maybe more aware of our need for you in this year than maybe any other year, God. And so our confession this morning would be that we, we need you, that we need to hear a word from you, that you are our life, that you are our hope. And we place all those things in you and you alone, God. And so I pray that you would be here with us this morning. I pray that your spirit would fill this place, that you would fill our hearts, God. Things that we can't see, would you open our eyes so that we could see them? Things that we can't hear, would you open our ears so we could hear them? Things that we can't understand, would you illuminate in our hearts, in our minds, God, so that we could understand them? So would you be with us now, God, meet us where we are. We need a word from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we are, we are right smack dab in the middle of our I Am series. We're really just taking seven weeks, and we are unpacking the seven I Am statements of Jesus found in John's gospel. So for the last three weeks, we've looked at Jesus' claims, hey, I am the bread of life, I am the good shepherd, and then last week, we looked at his claim, I am the door, I'm the door of the sheep. In all three of those instances, Jesus was speaking to large crowds. Um, as you may know, Jesus was a couple of years into his ministry by this point in time. So he'd been performing miracles, been feeding hungry people, been healing sick people. All, I mean, just all these incredible things. And so obviously he had garnered a following, a crowd. People were just following him around. They wanted to see more of the miracles. They probably wanted more of the free food and, and meals. And, um, and so Jesus was speaking to these huge crowds full of both believers and skeptics alike. But the passage that we're gonna look at in John 15, this claim that we're gonna kind of unpack together today, I am the true vine, takes place in a little bit different context. So Jesus is now no longer with the huge crowds. He's actually uh, alone with his disciples when he makes this claim. In fact, at this point in John's narrative, Jesus has already washed his disciples' feet. If you're familiar with that scene, He's just eaten, shared the last supper with his disciples and they are are now about to head to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is only hours away from being betrayed and arrested the night before he's crucified by the Roman government. 
And so these literally, what we're about to look at in John 15, are, are some of the final words that Jesus has for his disciples. The Bible scholars will call this section of Scripture the farewell discourse, because Jesus is, is really saying farewell to his disciples because he knows he's about to leave them and he knows that he needs to prepare them for some really hard times that are gonna come when he, when he leaves, some really rough times. And so he's giving them the key, and really I think us today as his modern day disciples, he's giving us the key not just to surviving tough times as his disciples, but actually learning how to flourish and thrive in tough times as his disciples. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but for me, 2020 has been a little stormy. Anybody else out there? Man, it's just a li- been a little bit stormy. There's some choppy waters this year. And so I think these words from Jesus really couldn't come at a more timely time for your life, for my life, uh, to get the life of our church uh, this morning. Now, as I've mentioned this before earlier in the series, but as, as modern day people, sometimes we can hear a statement like, I am the true vine. And, and the gravity of that claim in an agrarian society 2,000 years ago is really lost on us sometimes as modern day people, right? So we, we hear that, Jesus makes this claim, hey, I am the true vine of life, right? I'm the true vine of life. And we kind of hear that and we think, oh, okay, that's cool. That's, that's kind of cute, but we, we really don't understand the crux of what Jesus is really driving at and how radical a statement like that really is. And so just briefly wanna give you a, a quick sort of history lesson here. Uh, vine imagery is all over the pages of the Old Testament, all right? So if you're a fan of the Old Testament, uh, you're, you're probably familiar with this fact. So you can read the Psalms, you can read Isaiah chapter five, other places in the Old Testament. And this idea or this word picture of a vine is very, very common throughout the Old Testament. In fact, if you're familiar with uh, Old Testament vine imagery, you probably already know that the nation of Israel, God's chosen people under the Old Covenant, were oftentimes referred to as a, guess what? As a vine, yes, they were referred to as a a vine. And this is interesting, almost every time that connection is made in the Old Testament, it's made in the context of God's judgment because of Israel's failure to produce fruit, right? And so you gotta understand, when Jesus steps onto the scene all these years later, and he says to these mainly Jewish people and a mainly Jewish audience and his disciples who came from a Jewish heritage, and he says, listen, I am the true vine. He is in essence saying, hey, listen, I have come to be for you what you could never be for yourself. All right, so let's, let's read this in context together. We're gonna unpack it. We're gonna hit just a few application points and then we'll be done. All right, so we're gonna start John 15, starting in verse one, we're gonna go through verse 11. This is Jesus, again, privately now. The crowds are, are gone privately with his disciples. He says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, 
you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, here, here is the remarkable thing about what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, listen, everyone in the world is connecting to some vine. Everyone in the world is connecting to some power source in an attempt to find a fruitful life as they define whatever that is in their mind. There are no exceptions to this. It doesn't matter if you're agnostic, atheistic, Buddhist, Christian, Muslim, whatever it is, we're all plugging into something that we're hoping will feed us and give us life and hope and meaning. In fact, in Asheville, many people that I meet seem to move here in order to connect to the vine of nature or the vine of beauty or the vine of self-expression or the vine of adventure. Others are Uh, trying to connect through the vines of success or jobs or careers or relationships or maybe a certain political ideology or something like that. And Jesus is saying to his disciples then, and I think to his disciples today, listen, guys, there are many, many vines that you could connect to in this world. In fact, all of these vines are clamoring for you to connect to them, to find life in them. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, There's only one vine that leads to life, and I'm telling you, I am that vine. I am the true vine. So this is the first truth this morning. It'll be on the screens for you. Number one, Jesus is the true vine. That's the claim, and it's a big, big claim. We'll unpack this in a minute. Jesus says, I am the true vine. He's saying, listen, I'm I'm not one of many equally true vines, I'm not, a, I'm not a solid option vine if I work for you and maybe another vine works for somebody else. He says, I am the vine that leads to life. I am the only power source that you can plug into to find the abundant life that you were actually created for. Now, this is unmistakably a very radically bold claim by Jesus. In fact, I would argue it'd be a, a really cruel claim for Jesus to make if it weren't actually absolutely true. But I can tell you from personal experience, and I know many of you could say the same thing from personal experience that this claim is absolutely true. Because like you, I for many, many years tried to plug into all kinds of vines. Right? So we, many of us have tried to plug into the vines of success, money, relationships. We've tried to plug into the vine of people-pleasing or one of a million other vines that we can tend to try to plug into to find a source of life. And then finally, in your experience, many of your experiences and in my experience after many, many years or perhaps for you many, many decades, we finally find that true vine, Jesus Christ. We plug into Jesus and he absolutely wrecks us and flips our world upside down in the best way possible. I'm telling you, there is no vine like Jesus. 
There is no power source that can deliver an abundantly fruitful life like he can. He stands alone as the one who could do for you what you could never do for yourself. I love the quote by C.S. Lewis. It'll be on the screen for you. Lewis wrote this. He said, he who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God alone. What he's saying is, God is all that you've ever hoped for, friend. He is all that you could ever dream of. He's all that you could ever scheme up in your mind for your best future. He is, he is all of those things. You can have the world at your fingertips and if you don't have him, you have nothing at all. And if you have nothing in this world and you have him, you have everything. I can remember last summer, back when uh, we, could, we could still fly to other countries. I remember uh, Pastor Rodney, our, our mission pastor, and I and a couple other new lifers, we, we went on an exploration trip, um, a mission trip, just to try to identify some, some uh, global partnerships that, that we could engage with as a, as a church family. And, and it had a great trip. And um, it, was, it was a wild trip, man. 14 days, we hit Central Asia, North Africa, and Europe. So we had like, 174 flights in, in, in 14 days or something like that. But I can remember on the, the first long flight over the, over the ocean, um, the flight attendant uh, got up and said, this is a uh, Wi-Fi friendly flight. So you have access to, to Wi-Fi on the flight. I thought, ha, that's awesome. You know, I can get some work done and man, I could check the ESPN scores and see who's winning and who's losing and just kind of keep up with things. And so I, I pulled out my, my tablet and I looked and sure enough, I didn't even have to click on anything. It, it looked like I was connected to, to Wi-Fi. And so I, I hit my browser and Delta's homepage came up and I kind of surfed around on their page and I could go to these different pages on delta.com. But then I, I started to get frustrated because every time I tried to check my email or every time I tried to go to another website outside of delta.com, it would, it would shut down and it wouldn't let me go. So I got, I got really frustrated. Finally, after like 10 minutes, I, I figured out that you had to click on this little tab. And when you clicked on that little tab, it brought up this thing asking for my credit card. And I clicked on that and it's something like, hey, for $20 a minute, you can connect and surf the, <laughs> surf the web and check your email or something like that. See, see I, here's the thing, I, I thought I was connected. I thought I was connected, and in fact, I actually was connected, but I was not connected to the right thing. I was connected to the wrong thing, and so I was frustrated, and I would just venture to guess there are some of you right here in the room this morning, some of you online this morning, tuned in with us, that are frustrated right now in your life because you are connected to something, but you are connected to the wrong thing. And Jesus says, I am that right thing. I am the true vine of life. Connect to me, find life in me. I am that vine. And so here's the second big idea that Jesus unleashes on, on us here in John 15. Are you ready? Number two, you're either being pruned or you're being cut off. You're either being pruned or you're being cut off. Now, a lot of people don't like this portion of John 15 because let's be honest, both options seem less than desirable, right? Both options seem a little, just, just a little bit less than ideal. Being cut off, withering, and being burned or being pruned, being cut on, being injured, being, having things in our life cut away. Like I'll admit, as I looked at this this week, I, I really would prefer that the two options that Jesus laid before us be comfort or more comfort. Like I, that personally, that's what I would 
would hope for. Like, hey guys, I'm about, I'm about to be crucified. I'm about to pay for your sins. I'm about to uh, resurrect from the dead and give you freedom in this life and the next. And, and when, I, when I go back to the Father, you're either gonna have a really comfortable life or a super comfortable life. Like, I wish those were the two options. However, that is not what Jesus says. Look down at verse six. He said, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away. This is the idea or the imagery of, of being cut off, being cut off and cast aside. He is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and they are, they are thrown into the fire and they are burned. And I think what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, listen, I, son or daughter, I, I want a relationship with you. Hey, listen, I, I, I want you to abide in me, but, but if you should choose not to, even though I'm pursuing you, even though I've made every sacrifice possible for us to have a relationship and for you to know me and for, 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 for me to know you and have a great relationship, even, even if you know all those things and you should decide not to abide in me, you need to understand my father will eventually, like all good vine dressers, he will eventually cut off the dead branches, and they will wither, they will die, and they will be burned. See, friend, Jesus is abundantly clear that we will, we will all one day stand before an infinitely holy, perfect, and just God. Eventually, one day. We're gonna have that day, and we're gonna breathe our last on this planet, or Jesus is gonna come back, whichever one comes first, and we are gonna be in front of the God of this universe. And that'll either be a, great, a day of great terror for you or a great, great day of rejoicing for you. And I, I'm just telling you, for me personally, I'm telling you, if I have to stand before God on my merits, if I have to stand before God based on, on my thought patterns, on my ability to perform well, to keep all the rules, I'm just telling you, for me, maybe not for you, but for me, I've got no chance like zero chance, like 0.00% chance. So my hope, my only hope, and I think your only hope, when we stand before this infinitely perfect and holy and just God one day is to be plugged into the true vine and to have his righteousness applied to our account, applied to me and to you. See, the fact of the matter is that for a vine dresser in a vineyard, you study this, for farmers, for vine dressers. Branches are really, at the end of the day, are only good for one of two things. Did you know that? Branches are, are only good for one of two things. They're either good for fruit or they're good for fuel. Now I want you to understand, God, God wants you to be fruitful, friend. He wants you, his desire is for you to be connected with him, to have relationship with him, to grow with him. But if you should choose not to, he loves you enough that he wants you to know that the end result of that is that you will be separated from the true vine. Eventually you will wither up, you will be devoid of life, and you will spend an eternity apart from God in a place that the Bible calls hell. And Jesus is warning us here, not because he's hateful, 
He's warning us here, and he's warning you this morning because he loves you enough to tell you the truth. So friend, let me just encourage you this morning, if, if you're kind of revolting in your heart, and you're like, oh, I don't like this idea of hell, and how could a good God do that? You got all these questions, you got all these frustrations, you got all these obstacles in your mind. Let me just encourage you, please don't despise truth, friend. Embrace it. Truth is the only thing that has the power to ultimately set you free. And Jesus continues in the same line of thought. Look at verse two. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, he takes away. Again, this is the imagery of, of, of being cut off. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So this is good news. So being cut off and withering and dying and being burned, this is not the only option. Praise be to God. This is not the only option. Now understand this, this is the only option that we deserve. It's the only option that I deserve personally, but in God's great mercy and his grace and his compassion, he says, listen, though you deserve as a rebel in the face of a holy and perfect God, though you deserve to be cut off and cast off, I'm offering you another way. In fact, I'm offering you a better way through the true vine, Jesus, so that you can experience a life full of fruitfulness and abundance here in this life and in eternity to come. Now understand this, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, you've been grafted into the true vine. You have access to this incredible, abundant, fruitful life that Jesus is talking about here. Now we, we love that part, right? That, 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 that's the part of this passage that we like to put on t-shirts and, and coffee cups and things like that, man. Yeah, I'm plugged into the true vine of life and I'll produce a lot of fruit and that makes us all warm and fuzzy. But here's the part that Jesus just taught that we don't like quite as much. Jesus says, yeah, those that bear fruit, those who belong to me, guess what? You're gonna be pruned. You're gonna be pruned. And he doesn't leave this as an option. Like, hey, you, you, might, you might be pruned if you're in me. If you're a follower of mine, you, you could be at some point, potentially, theoretically, you could be pruned. No, he's saying, if you are in me, if you're abiding in me and you're producing fruit, you will be pruned. You're like, say what, Jesus? What are you talking about here? See, here, here, here's what I know to be true about us as Americans. We, as Americans, we love our comfort, do we not? We love our comfort as we sit in our cushioned, cushioned chairs, climate-controlled environments with the lighting just right, the music just right. We love our comfort. Listen, I'm not throwing, casting any stones. I'm, I'm, I'm in that same boat. I, I love comfort. And yet Jesus is saying, listen, I am more concerned about tomorrow's, tomorrow's fruitfulness in your life than I am today's discomfort in your life. Why, Jesus? Because I love you. Because I love you. Because I want more fruit in your life and I want more good in your life and I want more abundance from your life. But here's the reality. This is what any gardener, any vine dresser will tell you. And maybe you, if you're a note taker, write this down. The pruning always has to take place before the harvest comes. We don't like that one, do we? We're all about the other ones. We're not all about this one. The pruning always has to take place before the harvest comes. See, for most of us, our problem is that we want the harvest without the pruning. But dear brother, dear sister, that is never the way that it works. And so here, here's what it looks like practically. I don't, don't tell Cheryl, but I, I cut down one of her vines from her home this morning. She's not here. She came to the nine o'clock 
And um, so this is a vine. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, that this is a, a, a grapevine. And um, I have my little gardening shears right here. So typically, the way this looks in our, our life is that we have our little life here and we have all these little things that we love in our lives, whether they're relationships or goals or sin patterns or all these things in our life. And typically what happens is Jesus comes into our life and he says, son or daughter, because I love you, there's this part of your life right here and I know you love it, I know you love it, but it's not producing fruit. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna trim that off. I'm gonna prune that. And then he comes over here and he says, hey, hey, son or daughter, there's this part of your life and it's holding you back. And I know this is important to you and, and I know that you think you can't live without this, but this is holding you back from the plan that I have for your life. And so he, he prunes that part of our life. And then he comes down here and there's this part of his life and he says, son or daughter, I love you so much, but there's this, there's this sin pattern in your life and it's killing you. And I know you think you've got it in the secret and I know you think it's in the dark and nobody knows, but I know. And I know it's keeping you from the abundant life and the fruitful life that I have for you. So I love you so much that I'm, gonna, I'm actually gonna prune this out of your life. And typically what happens for most of us is when God starts doing that in our lives, we begin to cling to those things. And we say, no God, don't, don't cut that branch off. No God, don't cut that. That, that income is too important to me. No, God, not that relationship. I really love that girlfriend. I really love that boyfriend. No, God, not that area of my life. This is too important to me, Lord. And Jesus looks at us and he says, look, I, I love you too much not to prune out what's keeping you from maximum fruitfulness in your life. See, a part of spiritual maturity is learning how to embrace the pruning blades of a loving Savior not to fight them, not to, not to blame God when he prunes something out of your life that you wish he wouldn't have pruned out of your life, not to shake your fist at God and say, man, I don't believe in you. Why could you do this to me? Spiritual maturity is learning to come to those places in our life where he lovingly prunes things out of our lives and we say, Jesus, I trust you. God, I don't understand. God, this hurts. This is painful and I don't get it. I don't know what you're doing. I would never choose this, God, but I, I, I know that I can trust you and I know that you are preparing me for a harvest of fruitfulness. And God, I, I cannot wait to see what you're about to do in me and through me because here's truth number three. Abiding leads to abundance. Abiding leads to abundance. Look at verse four. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what, church? You can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing of lasting value. Now, some would say, Chris, you don't know my life, bro. I, I've been successful, straight A's in high school, straight A's in college, successful career. I've accomplished a lot of things separated from Jesus. I, I'm just telling you, it's plastic fruit. 
It's not the real deal. It's not abundant life. It's not what Jesus really ultimately has for you. It is fake fruit. Now, let me ask you a question. I'm gonna take this same vine here, and let's just, again, let's suppose this is a grape vine that that I've got right here. Now, let's suppose that I take this branch or this vine, and I close my eyes, and I just, I'm gonna do my best to make it produce fruit, all right? I'm I'm just gonna send it some good vibes some good juju, I'm gonna try really hard, and I, I just bet there's a cluster of grapes that's gonna pop out in just a minute. How many of you believe I could do that if I tried with all of my might? You can see you guys don't have very much faith in me. I appreciate that. Now, what, what if I invited everybody in the room on stage? So all of us, we came up here, we all laid our hands on this vine, and we all closed our eyes, and we just envisioned fruit, and we prayed for fruit, and we pushed really hard. Ah! How many of you think we could, if all of us together worked really hard that we could produce fruit? No takers on that one, huh? Now, now what, what, what if I just got a little, little knife and made a little hole in my arm and stuck this vine in that hole and now it's, it's, connected, to, it's connected to a life source, right? I'm, I'm very much alive and, and it's connected to me now. So how many of you think if I've got this thing connected to me to a life source that it's gonna produce fruit magically? Any takers on that one? No. So why do we think that we can separate from the life source that is the vine, the true vine, Jesus Christ, and expect that anything good will come out of our lives. Why would we ever do that? That's foolish. And Jesus is saying, listen, apart from me, the right source, you've got no chance. You've got no chance to produce any fruit in your life. It doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter how many other people get with you and they try and you just try to imagine and you try to force it. It's not gonna happen. If you're not plugged into the right source of life, you must abide in the true source of life, Jesus is saying. In fact, Jesus, in the 11 verses we just read, he uses that word meno in the Greek 10 times in 11 verses. You think maybe he was trying to get something across to us. And I think what he's saying is, listen, you've got to stop trying to be fruitful in your own strength. You've got to stop trying to be fruitful in your own strength, man. You are trying so hard to achieve and succeed and live a meaningful, valuable life, but you're not connected to the one thing that will allow you to accomplish all of those other things. Well, son or daughter, beloved, I love you. Abide in me. That word abide, minnow, literally means to stand in, to dwell in, to endure in. It means, it means make your home there. Jesus is saying, make your home with me. That's where you're gonna find life. Not all these other vines, man, that are just clamoring for your time and your attention and your heart's affection. Make your home with me, abide with me. Sort of like my, my marriage with Cheryl. By the way, today is our 17th wedding anniversary. And so after this, I'm gonna have to stop by the store and get some roses or, or, some, or something so I don't get in trouble. Um, and I know most of you are, th- are probably thinking quietly in your mind, man, she is one lucky woman. Um, actually, Actually, I know you guys are thinking, how on earth has she been married to you for 17 years? And I, w- I would agree with that sentiment. Um, but we've been married for 17 years today. But, but understand this, for our marriage to work and thrive for the next 17 years, I have to abide with her. And she has to abide with me. See, we've gotta, we've gotta make each other home. 
We've got we've to stand in. We've got to endure in with one another. And Jesus is saying, just like that, you need to abide in me. That is the only way you're ever going to have a fruitful life. And listen, friend, believer, that is God's primary concern in your life. His primary concern in your life is your fruitfulness. It's not your comfort. It's not even your safety. It's fruitfulness. That is his primary concern. One of the things that, that we love to do as a family, um, late summer, early fall, is we enjoy going to uh, one of the apple orchards around Asheville. Anybody else like going to apple orchards around here? A couple of you guys. Um, we, we love doing that, right? It's, it's fun to pick the apples and you get to bring a bushel home and sometimes they got cool like apple you know, slushies and all kinds of stuff. So that's cool. I really, we, we really just kind of a fun family tradition. Cheryl also typically, summertime, will take our kids uh, berry picking, you know, blueberry, strawberry, all that kind of stuff. And uh, listen, I, I love the fruit itself, right? A good piece of fruit is delicious, right? It's, it's, it's sweet and it's savory and it's juicy. And so I, I love the fruit for itself, but I also love the other things that those fruits tend to produce in my home, like apple pies and blackberry cobblers, strawberry jam. Some of y'all are like, man, wrap it up so we can go eat, son. <laughs> Jesus is saying, listen, that, listen, this is what I want for your life. I want sweet things for your life. I want you to produce fruit in your life. I want you to be a blessing to other people. I want you to point them to the true vine of life. And listen, you can't do it on your own. That's what he's saying. You can't do it on your own. And so abide in me because I can do that and I want to do that and I will do that in your life. I will do that in your life if you will abide in me. And then Jesus says something really out of place in my mind and peculiar in verse three. He says this, already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. So you kind of read this whole passage and it's like all this stuff about abiding in Jesus or being cut off and being pruned and all these things about producing more fruit. And it just feels like, man, I, I gotta work harder and I'm such a loser spiritually. And man, I just gotta try harder. I gotta get up earlier and I'm gonna read my Bible more. and I'm gonna memorize more scripture. and I'm gonna pray more. and I'm gonna start tithing this month and I'm gonna do all that. I'm gonna go on a mission trip next year. And we kind of get this mind. We can read passages like this. We're like, oh God, I gotta make this happen. And then all of a sudden, verse three, already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. What are you talking about, Jesus? What do you, what do you mean here? Don't listen, church. If you're, if you're thinking about dinner or the football game, tune back in. Don't, don't miss this. This is monumental. Jesus is saying, listen, the only way that you can abide in me is to live out of your true identity. The only way that you can abide in me and produce fruit in your life is to live out of your true identity. Now, this is where if you're like me, you grew up in church, practically born in a church, you grew up in the South, right? This is where a lot of us church folk kind of get it twisted. We kind of go off the rails. We go sideways here because we get to a passage like this or we hear a message like this and we think, man, I got to work so much harder, because I want to abide in Jesus and I want to have a fruitful life and I don't want to be cut off and wither and burn. And so, man, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna get up earlier. I'm gonna try harder. I'm gonna do all these things. I'm gonna, I'm gonna strive even harder. And once I finally do enough, man, I'm gonna produce some fruit in my life and then finally God is gonna love me because I have become fruitful in my life. And friend, I want you to listen to me very carefully. That is not the gospel. That is toxic, dead religion. 
In fact, I would argue that every single world religion argues on some level, some version of, hey, listen, you've got to do all these things over here. Here's a list. We need to do all these things over here. You gotta, you gotta pay your tithe. You gotta come to church. You gotta go to Mecca. You gotta pray five times a day. You gotta do this. And you, all, all these things. And eventually, if you do all these things in your life enough, then maybe just maybe you'll be accepted and loved by God or some deity or the universe or you'll reach nirvana or whatever it is. And Jesus looks at all of that and he says, no, no. You're, you're missing the whole thing. Listen, I already love you. I've already chosen you. You are already fully accepted. This is your identity, believer. So all you need to do is abide in me, rest in me, and I will produce the fruit in your life. I will do all the work. Child, you're already mine. Just rest in me, connect with me and watch what I'll do in and through your life. And so truth number four is this, believer, we must learn to live from our identity and not for our identity. From, not for, that makes all the difference in the world. Listen, Christian, believer, follower of Jesus, your identity is secure in him. You need to live from what Jesus has already declared over your life. You are chosen, you are loved, you are set apart, you are accepted. We need to live from that instead of trying to earn all those things with our performance in life. And then I love how Jesus concludes this portion of John 15. He says this in verse 11. He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. Just stop for a minute and contemplate what he just said there. I've spoken these things to you. I've just taught you this whole deep, profound lesson about being the vine and being connected to me and abiding in me. The whole purpose of what I've just said to you is so that my joy may be in you. Can you imagine the joy of the son of God? The fullness of the triune God encapsulated in the son. And he's saying, you have access to this type of joy when you connect with me. He says, listen, I've spoken these things to you. My joy may be in you and that your joy may be what, church? What? Halfway full? What, what is it? Full. Spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is the idea of abundance, overflowing joy in your life. And so Jesus is saying, listen, I'm not telling you this to weigh you down. I'm not telling you this to burden you. I'm not telling you this to frighten you. I'm telling you this thing because my vision for your life, and this is our last truth, his vision for your life, friend, is full joy. Not partial joy, not just a little bit of joy on certain times when things are going right in your life. He's saying, my vision for your life as my son, as my daughter, is my joy in you and that you would have full joy regardless of your circumstances in life. In good times and bad times, joy. Now, I don't know about you, but that's what I need in my life. I need God's joy in my life and I need it fully and abundantly. Now, understand this. Jesus is not saying here, he's not promising a trouble-free life. How many of you know that to be true if you've been walking with Jesus for a while? He's not, he's not promising you a trouble-free life. He's not saying, hey, listen, I, w- I want you to follow me. I want you to abide in me. And when you do that, 
then I'm gonna give you a brand new Benz and I'm gonna give you a nice big house and built more forest on the golf course. Listen, if God gives you that, then praise be to him. But see, the fact of the matter is I'm convinced that Jesus Christ is looking for disciples today that come hell or high water in the good times and when all hell breaks loose, he's looking for men and women who would stand and say, God, you are our God and we are your people. And there is nothing, nothing that will ever separate us from the true vine because he is our hope and he is our life and he is our freedom and he is our healing. And so come what may in this life, we will rejoice in our king because in him we have all that we need. Church, would you stand with me as we prepare to sing? Father, we come to you and we give you thanks. For your promises. Thank you that in the midst of all the confusion of this world and all the vines that present themselves and offer themselves to us and they come to us and they promise us, hey, come here and you'll find life. Come here and you'll find satisfaction. Come here and you'll find pleasure. And they offer us the world and they deliver us nothing but disappointment, anxiety, depression. Thank you in a sea of vines, in a sea of power sources, you stand alone as the one power source, as the one true vine that offers life to anyone who would come to you and confess their sins and give their lives to you and say, yes, God, I believe Jesus is the true vine and I wanna be plugged into you, God. Thank you that you are the true vine. I pray that now we would worship you in spirit and in truth. We love you, God, in the name of Jesus.